0: You're listening to audio recorded at Mount Air First Christian Church. For more resources or to contact us, look us up at www.mountairfirstchristianchurch.org. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ... The flower fades, the word of our God stands forever. So this morning we're jumping back into the book of Colossians. And it's been a while since we've done any work in this book. Since uh, September, I think, was the last time we were in Colossians. So we've covered the first two chapters. And they're heavy with theology, talking about the supremacy of Christ. That's why the series is titled Christ is Supreme. There's been, Paul has done a lot of work uh, just talking about the reality of Christ's deity, uh, his, his nature, who he is as God in flesh, and all that he has accomplished. And Paul does this in a lot of his letters. He begins with a lot of theology, a lot of doctrine, speaking of the reality of Christ, the truth of the gospel who we are as sinners before God and what Christ has done to reconcile us back to him. He'll do that at the beginning of his letters, and then he moves into a time of application. Okay, so now here's all the doctrine, and now we're going to see how that doctrine plays out on the ground. Now that's just natural. That's the way it, that's the way it should be, even though we try kind of in our modern times to divide up what you believe from what you do. Those two categories can never really be divorced. We, we try to make religion a private thing that is separate from the way that you live your life. And yes, I believe certain things, but it doesn't really impact. We can all do and be the same out in the world and have different private beliefs that your belief doesn't really make that much difference in who you are and what you do. That idea is a fantasy that doesn't really exist. Everyone has beliefs of some type, and they impact the way that they live their life. That, that view in and of itself is a belief that impacts the way that they live. The idea of a private religion that has no impact on the way you live your life is a fantasy. What you believe thoroughly impacts the way you live your life. One of the ways that faith in Christ does this is that it redirects your focus off of yourself and onto Christ. And this is where Paul takes us in these first few verses. There are three commands, two of them are positive, one of them is negative. He's giving us three commands. We are to seek the things that are above. We are to set our minds on the things that are above and not on the things of the earth. There are three commands, two positive, one negative. Seek the things that are above. Set your minds on the things that are above and not on the things of earth. Three commands, two positive, one negative. And those three commands are based upon three doctrinal realities that we find in the passage as well. He says that we have been raised in the past tense. We have been raised with Christ, verse one. So the command, seek things that are above, where Christ is seated, the right hand of God. Second command, set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Why? For you have died, and in the present, your life is hidden with Christ and God. Past, you have been raised with Christ, present, you are with Christ, seated with him in the heavenly places. And then in verse four, in the future, when Christ appears, you will appear with him in his glory. Three commands, all flowing out of three doctrinal realities. If you, if you have been hidden with Christ, you've been raised with Christ, hidden with him, you are going to then appear with him. Three commands, three doctrinal realities. So he starts off here by saying, if then you have been raised with Christ. Now we read that and we think Paul's saying, well, if you've been raised, that, that's, that's not what he's saying. He's not like asking a question like, I don't know, if you've been raised, he's, he's making a statement of basically you could say, since then you have been raised that don't, don't be misled by that language. He doesn't mean it as an issue of something he's unsure of. He's saying that if you've been raised, since then you've been raised, therefore do these things. But what does he mean by saying, if then you have been raised with Christ? What does he mean by that? Well, this is a shorthand way of speaking of the salvation that happens to a person when they trust in Christ. What does it mean to have been raised with Christ? It's a way of saying, you've been saved. You've trusted in Christ. You have been saved. You have been raised with Christ. If you look back at Colossians chapter two, this is, Paul speaks in kind of this same way. Verses 13 through 15 in Colossians chapter two, he says, and you who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities, put them to open shame by triumphing over them. What has God done? He has made us alive together with Christ. If then you have been raised, Paul is saying, Simply, this isn't like some people get saved and then some people get saved and raised with Christ. This is, not, this is not like a special class of person. He's saying if you have trusted in Christ, you've been raised with him. His resurrection is your resurrection. You have been brought from death to life. This is what he's describing, our conversion to Christ, going from dead and trespasses and sins to being made alive together with Christ. In the New Testament mind, when Christ comes to life, when he's raised from the dead, that is our resurrection as well. We have been brought to life, we have been raised with Christ. I wonder if we grasp this idea as powerfully as Paul does. Sometimes we just almost glibly talk about the reality of being Christians. Are you, I know, Jesus, I believe in Jesus. Are you saved? We we almost boringly talk about faith in Christ. Well, I believe in Jesus. What's your preference? Do you like pepperoni or do you like sausage pizza? Do you like Jesus or do you? Are you irreligious? And we're like, oh, I'm with, I'm on, I like pepperoni and sausage together, and I'm on team Jesus. And we kind of say it glibly. <laughs> Paul's not that's not the New Testament mindset of what it means to be raised with Christ. The New Testament is not bored with this idea. It is astonished that we would go from death to being made alive, truly alive. When, you, when Christ is seen and savored in your life, when you trust him as the sacrifice for your sins, when you are given eyes to see your desperate state before God and given eyes and ears to hear the good news of the gospel, you are brought to life. Regeneration happens. This is exactly what Jesus says in John chapter five, verse 24. Jesus speaking says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He, this one who has believed, he does not come into judgment, which is what we all have coming for us in our natural state as sinners separated from God. Judgment is what is naturally deserved and on our way as sinners. But what does Jesus say? This one who has ears to hear the word and believes has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life brought to life, out of death. It's an incredible statement that Jesus is making. You have been given life, not in some minor way, even in this world, but in eternal terms. How incredible is it whenever you hear stories of someone who has either had a drowning or had a major heart attack and they're unconscious and their heart has stopped and they are dead and then we bring them back to life. Through medical, through CPR, through whatever practices that we give them, we extended life. We're astonished by that, right? That's, that's we celebrate that when things like that happen. We've had recent stories in our community of people who have gone through incredibly tough things. You were certain their life was going to end, and then they come through it and they live. And we celebrate. That is to be born into, or that is to give another chance at a, this mortal, temporal life. What Jesus has done is he has brought eternal life. If we celebrate a second chance at this life, I mean, how often do you, you know, you, you pull up to a stop sign and you start to pull out and then your wife shouts out, there's a car coming and you stop and the semi comes right by and you think, I'm really glad that happened. You celebrate. And what you've been given there is just more, you're, you're still gonna die at some point, right? But that's worth celebrating, How much more should we celebrate that we have been brought out of spiritual death into eternal life through Jesus Christ? To be brought into his presence, to be with him forever. So then, Paul is saying, if you've been raised with Christ, what ought we to do? We ought to seek the things that are above. We are to set our minds upon him. When Paul says, seek the things that are above, he doesn't mean you start contemplating the things of heaven, you know, like, oh, I wonder what the, I wonder what uh, the grass is like. I wonder what the roads are like. I wonder what, you know, I wonder what's going to be, what what we're going to wear. You know, I wonder about the things of heaven. He's not talking about set your mind on the physical objects of heaven. He's saying to set your minds upon the truths of the gospel. To set your minds upon who God is and what he has done. This good news about Jesus and who he is and all that he has done. To set our minds on things of eternal importance and consequence. This is in contrast, he says, to the earthly things, right? We're to set our minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. And we're going to get into that next week. You can look ahead and see in verse 5 where he's saying, To put to death, therefore, what is earthly. Among you, So we're not to set our minds upon the earthly things, but upon the things above. This is, not, this is because not only have we been raised with Christ, we are now truly with him. We are with Christ, hidden with Christ in God right now. What kind of crazy talk is that? Because you're sitting right here. Like, you're not with Christ, you're with me right here in this fellowship hall. What, what does that mean in this sanctuary? What does that mean? How can we be with Him when we're all so clearly right here? In what way are we with Christ when clearly I can see you, you are here? Well, it's a little like the phrase, you've sure you all heard it home is where your heart is, you know, that, and the idea is that there's this place where your, your heart is always, you may be out and about different places, but Home is where the heart, your heart is. You don't actually physically leave your heart at home. No one did that this morning, right? We, we all go with our heart. We don't mean our heart is there. But, but it is where your affections lie. It is where your comfort lies. It's where your security lies. It's where you long. It's, home is where your heart is. Or We say sometimes when someone's out uh, performing a task, we might say their heart's not in it. Yeah, you've heard that phrase. They're, and they're, they're working at their job and they're doing it, but their heart really isn't, it. They really, they're not into it. And it's just talking about their affections, their desires, their longings are somewhere else. It's this understanding that our affections and our cares can remain directed at a specific place or person while we go about the rest of our lives. We can be with Christ in God while we are still going about our lives here on this earth. And that's what Paul means by setting our minds up upon the things that are above. This is how we seek him, by remembering who, he has, brought, who has brought us to life and seeking to live for him and w- work to be pleasing to him. We're to set our minds, seek and set ongoing active engagement, not an activity that you cross off once. So as a Christian... You've been brought to life, seek God, set your mind on him. Okay, I did that, now I can go on and do my own thing. No, this is an ongoing, present, active reality in your life. Seek and keep on seeking. Set your mind on him and keep it set there. The life of a Christian as one has been brought from death to life is one of continued seeking after the things of God and setting or anchoring our lives upon him to turn away from the things of this earth that draw our attention away from him and to give ourselves to the pursuit of Christ. But now we come to kind of a difficult part because how are we to manage to set our minds upon Christ and his kingdom to the things that are above when there are so many things right here in front of us that demand our attention? We can set our minds upon him, not of the things of this life because we have already died in this life. We have already died to this life. This is what Paul says in chapter 3, verse 3. Verse 2, he says, Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth, for you have died. You have died with Christ. He says something similar to that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse nineteen and twenty he says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. One of the major difficulties that we have in setting our minds on the things above is because and upon Christ and his kingdom, is because there are so many things right in front of us that we are so intensely dialed in upon. And clearly, setting our minds off of the worries and cares and desires of this life and onto our life with Christ is not an easy task. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't command us to do so. But we are so easily drawn into setting our attention upon the things of this life, the worries and the cares and the desires of this life. We have our own past present, and future that we're consumed with. Not the past, present, and future of you have been raised with him, you are with him, you will be with him. The past, present, and future we live with is either guilt, regret, the present of worry and concern, and the future of maybe someday I'll get X, Y, and Z. We swallow the, the mantra of the day that we must live for ourselves first and foremost in the present. Our present is filled with our own desires. And our future is painted with this hopes of temporal success, temporal joy, temporal pleasures. All of those that if we actually achieved them would just fade away in their own time. But Paul has died to these things and he exhorts us to as well. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who, get, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's Galatians 2.20. So what about you? Have you died with Christ? Are you, or are you pushing all your chips in on the pleasures of this life? I've got to have things this certain way. Is your mind set upon this world and its joys or Christ and his eternal joys? Because here's the thing. When you have truly died to the things of this world and have set your minds on the things above, it is then that you are truly liberated to enjoy the things of this life. It seems counterintuitive. It seems counterintuitive, but when you have died to the things of this world and have set your light mind upon the things of God, it is then that you are liberated to actually enjoy the things of this life. When your Christmas celebration doesn't deliver the absolute bliss that in your mind you've created that it should... When you, If you have died to the things of this world, you don't need that Christmas celebration to deliver some temporal joy for you, then you are liberated to truly enjoy the parts of it that are enjoyable because it isn't being forced to carry a weight it was never meant to carry. When you push all your chips on on a, on a life partner, a marriage and say, this is what has got to make me happy. This is what has got to fulfill me. This is what has got to make sense in my life, or you put it into a job. This job has got to give me meaning and purpose and and, and fulfill all of these issues in my heart, and then they let you down, you ought not be surprised. When you, because they are never meant to carry that kind of weight. They are temporal, they are temporal realities. However, if you die to those things, say, these are not the ultimates in my life, setting my mind upon the things that are above, then you're able to take a marriage that is flawed and has its problems, but enjoy the the, the good in the midst of it, because it doesn't, it isn't carrying this pressure to fulfill every need in your heart. You're able to actually enjoy your job, even jobs that are kind of bad, where you're stuck outside and weather you don't really like, and you're, you're doing all sorts of difficult things. You're able to to enjoy the good parts of that because it isn't carrying the weight of giving you meaning. Because your life, you've died. You're now with Christ. Your future is Christ. You are secure in Him. When you've been liberated from the need for the job to deliver all that it was never meant to do, liberated from the need for a relationship to deliver to you all that it was never meant to deliver to you, then you are liberated because you have set your mind upon Christ. In contrast if you are still living for this world all the joys that you might en- might enjoy are blighted with the fall your greatest joy will not last the best of all events will be flawed the grandest of successes will not satisfy but if you have died with Christ the hard times that happen will p- be put in relief to the joys that there are in Christ and the good times will be truly enjoyed for the moments of grace that they are. Paul says lastly here in this verse, there is a glorious future yet to come. Just as we've been raised with Christ and we are with him, we will appear with him yet in the future. Their day is coming when we will appear with Christ. Our future is secure with Jesus. How obsessed are we with what's going to happen next? How can we secure our future? If you've been raised with Christ because you've died with him and been raised with him and are with him now, your future is secure that you will appear with him. Christ is coming in all of his glory and those who are his will not miss out on it. There is a glorious future ahead for all of Christ's people and the resurrection to the new heavens and the new earth. So then how does this all play out on the ground? Next week we get into Paul's admonition to die to the things that are earthly among us. But positively, what does it mean to set our minds upon Christ? What does that look like? An example from church history is John Chrysostom. This is way back when, like 4th century, I think, John Chrysostom. He's the archbishop of Constantinople. And when he was confronted by the empress Eudoxia, I have no idea how to say her name. But anyway, there's this, there's this uh, conflict going on. He's the archbishop. He's standing up to sort of her overlording rules and, and regulations and she's threatening him. She wants him to stop with his resistance to what she wants to happen. She's threatening John Chrysostom. So she threatens him. She says, I will banish you. He replies, you cannot banish me, for this, is my, this world is my father's house. She says, I'm going to kill you. He answers, you cannot, for my life is hid with Christ and God. She said she would take away his treasures. He said, no, you cannot, for my treasure is in heaven. And my heart is there. She said she would drive him away from his friends and that he would have no one left. And he answered, no, you cannot. For I have a friend in heaven from whom you cannot separate me. I defy for there is nothing you can do to harm me. Radical view of what it means to have been died, to have died to this world, to be raised with Christ, hidden with him and have a future to be appearing with him. How does this look? What does this look like? Do you ever get home from work and are just tired, or home from some event and are just tired? You just want things to go your way. Of course. Of course you do. But it is in those moments that a truth like this will liberate you for Christ like service. As I pull my car into the driveway, I need to confess things like this Father, my life is not my own. I have died with Christ. I have been raised with him. I do not have to get my way. I have a glorious future ahead of me. Help me to live with my mind and heart set upon you and your ways and not on me and my earthly ways. In these truths, in you, God, give me great joy. When life takes a left turn, setting your mind upon things above is a confession just like that. Like we got on the board. We confess something along these lines. I'm yours, God. My life is not my own. I am not my own. My life is with you, and it cannot be moved. I've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's Ephesians chapter 1. My treasure and my joy cannot be stolen. I have died. My life is in Christ. Given every spiritual blessing, nothing can be stolen. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, then you also will appear with him in glory. And may we set our minds upon those realities and seek him above all else. Let's pray. Father, help us this morning this powerful truth, God. I pray that in this simple effort to communicate it, God, that you would do the supernatural work in our hearts of making it clear, God, of what a blessing it is, what an incredible reality, what an incredible truth to have died with Christ to this world, to the things of this earth to have been raised with him, to have my life be in him right now and my future guaranteed of appearing with him in glory. Therefore, God, we want to, because of that grand truth, help us, God, to set our minds upon the things that truly matter, upon you, that it would liberate us to go out these doors and enjoy life for what it is, to share the good news with others and glorify you in all that we do. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.